This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Marriage of Demethro, courtesy of Adventure Delivered. Are you ready to start on a thrilling adventure that will take you on a huge journey through a grand manor full of mystery and danger? Join heroes as they unravel the secrets behind The Marriage of Demethro. Battle fierce enemies, solve puzzles, and discover hidden treasures. Will you be able to help Lady Lara save the day? Find out now and experience the thrill of the marriage of Demethro. Available courtesy of Adventure Delivered. Get your copy today on Kickstarter. Just search for Marriage of Demethro, D-I-M-E-T-H-R-O, or Adventure Delivered. It's a fast-paced, fun-filled adventure that we know you are going to love. From our friends at Cardboard Knights and Adventure Delivered. Now, on with the show. Nerd Cognito. Hey, welcome again to Nerd Cognito. My name is Ryan David. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and smashing subscribe and getting us on your device. I'm faking it really well. <laughs> if you can't <laughs> tell, uh, I woke up and had no voice this morning, so it is the curse. And I'm joined by Bert, who's going to do some talking, so I don't have to right now. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going this week? Oh, uh, I was going great until I woke up this morning. I have no idea what happened. Like, Freight Train had a raging sore throat, and... Mm. You know, don't talk to myself when I wake up. Went downstairs, grabbed a cup of coffee, went to the talk, went to the talk, went to talk to the other human beings in the house, and I sounded like President Biden. So, um, yeah. Oh, man, I, I have mornings where I wake up like that, but normally it clears up. It sounds like yours is not getting a lot better. No, and I hope I didn't catch a sinus infection on the tail end of me having no immune system. Oh, that, <laughs> so, would, that would suck. <clears throat> if I clear my throat or cough or miss the mute button tonight, I beg your and everyone else listening's indulgence. So, I'll give you a pass. I mean, I've had those. I've had that happen to me, and it's not an easy thing to get through. Yeah, it's rough. I was on uh, the Weekend Geek yesterday, and it must have been starting because I was drinking a lot of liquid. But I didn't feel bad, you know, and I, right. I certainly wasn't losing my voice. I, I still had everything there, and boom, gone this morning. So, uh, how was your week? It was good, you know. A couple of gaming sessions, you know. Work is work, but uh, you know, it was pretty good overall. I'll take it. Yeah, we got to dust off uh, game off the shelf of shame. <laughs> <laughs> Massive darkness two. So, uh. Got that out to the table, courtesy of, of Dan, who uh, twisted our arm. He's been yelling to play it for a while, so. Yeah, and we were shorthanded this week in our board game group, so there was no reason not to bring it to the table. No, no. Uh, we'll talk about that on the flip side of the news. Uh, we, of course, have some news. Why wouldn't we have news? <laughs> of course. And uh, beyond the news... We have the Shadow Dark that hit Kickstarter this week, and it's a fucking head-scratcher, and it's what we're going to start with this week. Okay. I don't get it to the point where I have a tinfoil hat already formed and ready to go, because it doesn't make sense. Uh, how familiar are you with shadow dark not overly i'm actually looking up the kickstarter right now yeah uh it's fun the uh pundit got into a twitter argument with uh a bunch of people about it and um we ended up getting dragged into it because pundit accused uh some folks online of taking cash for reviews uh whether or not that be true uh, we got thrown into it simply because Mia posted up on Twitter, uh, hey, you know, we take cash, but only for 60-second spots. Everything we review is either via a review copy that's provided to us or one of the guys buys it, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, we don't uh, 
We don't do paid reviews. If we like it, we'll say so. If we hate it, we'll tell you that too. But the uh, thread that that blew up was the one that was on our Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, way to go, me! I'm so proud of you. Uh, but uh, no, I, I I don't want to to you know really have a voice because I like everybody on all sides of this argument. Mm-hmm. Um. Pundit has always been very kind to us, which he doesn't have to be because he's way bigger than us. Uh, everybody else is is friends of the show. Uh, so uh, my advice to, to the ladies was just stay very neutral on, on the issue. Um, but no, they had uh, 10 or 12 uh, direct messages come in this week, too, saying, hey, do you guys pay for review or do you get paid to do reviews? You know, you guys do those board games and you guys talk about all those books. And oh, you got you were really here's the one that got me. You were really complimentary of those scumbags in the red room. They're not scumbags. They're really awesome people. Uh, I'll bet you they paid you to to play their game. Nope, 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 no. nope. Not not in the least. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I did get a copy of the material to review it, but other than that, yeah, no, no. And we're always upfront about that. Anybody that wants to submit something for review can submit it. Whether or not it makes air, uh, that's another story. But I'll bet you, if you pester us enough, it'll make air. So yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on if it catches our attention and if we actually get a chance to play it. Sometimes. You know, there are you know, some have, properties that we can't review without playing them because it wouldn't be fair to the property. There, exactly. There are some game books and we've played enough games that we can read a game book and get a good feel for the system. But there are some, especially if they're doing new, creative or innovative things that I'm hesitant to review until I get to the table. And in particular, with a board game, I won't review it until it hits the table and we get a play on it. So Absolutely. I mean, uh, I would never review a board game I haven't played. With the, Like you said, with the gaming books, I've been gaming for 30 years. If it's not a brand new mechanic or a really unique idea, I can kind of get a feel for how the system will work. Maybe I'll make a couple practice characters or do some simulated stuff from the book to get a feel for it. But it doesn't necessarily require a full game day for me to get a basic idea. Right, right. So, yeah, the, <clears throat> the folks at Arcane Library, which... Is, is just the nom de plume of Kelsey Dion. Uh, she's a big DMs Guild creator. Uh, obviously, her work doesn't cross the path of our end of the community much, being DMs Guild and being exclusively 5th edition. True. But um, she, when the OGL debacle went on, obviously this was in production at that point, and kind of as a surprise good for her she said i'm, I'm gonna take shadow dark and strip out anything that's ogl a bull from it just just to be safe and uh, again good business move way to go kelsey right uh, i mean we, it's a smart plan because <clears throat> nobody knew what was going to come from that we probably won't see eye to eye on many things but i will give you the nod for that that was a good move uh, what I won't give you the nod for is the whole premise of the game. <laughs> uh, OSR for 5th edition players. Uh, it, it's pretty much saying, hey, Sparkle Trolls, you know that style of gameplay that you hate? This is one that's made by one of your own, so you're going to love it. Uh, and uh, love it they do. It launched just a handful of days ago. At recording, we're almost at 700K, and it's got the better part of a month to go. Wow, it's uh, and and that's insane to me. I mean, the idea, I can see the idea of wanting a simpler system. You know, people who are, you know, people who are always looking for an easier way to play their favorite games. So I can see wanting a simpler system, but it just doesn't seem like those two fan groups are almost at war with each other and to this is like almost like a crossover vehicle between two warring factions so it is how did it get so popular i don't know and they have a free preview available on the kickstarter uh it's not a small preview it's a it's a large enough preview it's generally artless uh but the the mechanics are there i read through it it ain't setting the world on fire, Bert. It's nothing earth-shattering by any stretch of the imagination. 
Um, I don't know. You know, four core classes, D20 based system, you know, mm -hmm. uh, gold is XP. Gee, that's not OSR. <laughs> um, it's also something that we've been chastised for endorsing gold as XP, uh, but it's in there. Um, you know, morale, we see that in, in a lot of independent properties that, that our end tends to like. It's, it's really big in Scarlet Heroes, right? Um, six classic stats rolling 3D6 in order. Hmm. How are the Sparkle Trolls on board with this? And that's where my tinfoil hat comes into play. The OSR, collectively, not any one particular publisher, and, and I think that's the beauty of the OSR, is it is a cadre of independent publishers. But as a collective, the OSR has someone a scared. And the math just doesn't add up. The, if you do the math, where they're at right now, it's north of 100 bucks a pledge. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute because an idea just occurred to me. What if it's the opposite? What if this is a creation designed to take people who are used to simpler gaming and bring them into the fold at the OSR, getting them used to... Uh, a simpler system with more difficult and more rigid rules for them. So trying to bring, trying to bridge the gap, bring those people who are used to only playing 5e into the world of the OSR and introduce them into those sort of in-depth, difficult, real-world, challenging, exactly, perilous mechanics. That's exactly how it's being marketed, Bert. But we've seen this happen. Two friends of ours, Greg Lambert, Chronicles of Iris. Mm -hmm. He's between a rock and a hard place because he's producing fifth edition content that's OSR adjacent. And he is a man on his own island because of that. You know, fifth edition people don't want to go into the OSR and the OSR folks don't want to cross over. That's, that's like one of the core challenges Mm -hmm. That that he has, and I'm not speaking for him. He's voiced this before in public forum that he has he's come up against. He he's sort of fighting the tide from both ends. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, there's going to eventually come out in the wash where the super backers. Uh, shout out to Guard Bro, the folks with big dick money, as he likes to say. Uh, I told him I, I'm going to start incorporating that into my vernacular because I just loved it. Big dick money. <laughs> uh, but there's folks that have big dick money, but I suspect that there are corporations that have giant Neanderthal schlong money that are dumping a couple hundred K into this because the OSR philosophically, if not financially, is a threat to their existence and this is their way to get all of the benefits of the osr across to their fan base without them losing their fan base it's still their people it's one of their own that's making it wouldn't wizards do something that nefarious no it's not like they would try to steal content or want a cut of money your tinfoil hat's showing again. Uh, I'm um, very aware. I'm very, very aware. Uh, I, I, yeah, don't, I, mean, I don't want to knock them. Good for them. You know, they hit the, the proverbial jackpot on this one. But something just ain't right. This is, if one of our friends published this book, this is a, in a best case scenario, 40 to 50K Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what all the hype is about. I mean, as a middle of the road player who plays in who, who plays both in you know math heavy, crunchy systems, you know, and dynamic, you know, sort of and fifth uh, edition and Pathfinder, you know, you play with whatever the table's playing. I get it. 
Right. I mean, I'm that guy. I can jump into any game, and as long as it's not, as long as it's subject matter that I can enjoy, I can pretty much deal with any system. So, but as somebody who walks that line and who plays in every system, you know, I don't like. I don't know that something like this would would appeal to me because if I'm playing fifth edition, you know, that I expect it to be, you know, a fifth edition type campaign. If I'm playing an OG, if I'm playing, you know an OGL game style game, then I expect it to be, you know, crunchy and heavy. So for someone like me, I don't know that this is a, a good fit, but I'm not sure, you know, what all the hype is about. No, the art good, but again, it's Mm -hmm. not winning any awards. It's, it's very classic black and white to go thematically with, you know, double dark or whatever, whatever they wanted to go with. Um, I, I, I do like, you know, it's it's pen and ink, it's hand-drawn, so it's got that, it's got kind of a cool, like, old-school feel to it. I mean, they're even throwing a bone to the brosers with real-time torches, right? Uh, uh, if you're in darkness, it's bad, which is funny, because we just played Massive Darkness too. Uh, That's true. Uh, if you're in darkness, it's real bad, uh, and the torches are one hour of real-time, uh, and you don't want to run out of light in, in this game. Uh, light there's a light timer mechanic and that's really the the only i guess quasi innovative thing but we've seen that before too um, i mean we have seen timed light sources before uh, i i it, it it's it's a conundrum i mean it's interesting that they eliminated the dark vision mechanic altogether like that's a that's a creative idea is that no one can see in the dark you know you're not going but I don't know that that's enough to say that it's unique. I'd really have to see some more of it to make it to make a decision there. Yeah, I I don't know. It stinks, and there's something. It, 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 no one's buying the complete. They're saying that on average, every backer is buying the uh, RPG complete, which is 110 bucks Kickstarter. That that just doesn't happen, you know. <sighs> Something is is up, and I hope because the Arcane Library certainly not followers of ours. I'm no. sure that they are not tuning in every week. Uh, Kelsey hopped on that thread too and said, "I categorically deny X, Y, and Z." Uh, the one person that I paid for any sort of promotional consideration was this creator. So, like. I I applaud that, but mm-hmm. I want that transparency to continue. Who is the big dick dollar in this in this Kickstarter? Because it it's it's on pace to be about a million five as far as Kickstarters go. And you know, first time out of the gate, first time out of DMs Guild. I don't care if you have your community pushing you to the moon something is up and uh, i guess I, I i can only hope that at some point someone rubs kels the wrong way and she maybe not this time but next time or the third time when she's got a couple million dollar kickstarters under her belt uh then she has enough money to say fuck you then she can start naming names and, and know the truth but right now we're not going to know I'm just watching the 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 thing tick up by everywhere anywhere from a thousand to two hundred bucks a click just as I'm sitting on the page looking at it right now. Weirdness. I mean, yeah, it's strange that it's going up that quickly, but you know, it, it it's not something that I'm going to back. It doesn't seem like something that is you know that much different from things I've played before that it would you know I have to have it. Right, I'm not knocking the product. It's just no, not it's not screaming at me. Right. Uh, I'm not going to back it. You know, I'm a I got to have it hardcover type of guy. So if I were to back it, I would be there. But you know, I mm-hmm. get it. We're not the promotion she's looking for <laughs> right, by right. by any stretch of the imagination. But once it launches and everything settles down and it doesn't cost her anything, if she wants to kick us a PDF, I promise I will read it and put it out legitimately as a as a solid unbiased review. Uh, do I think that will ever happen? No. But um, if if for some reason she's listening or uh, still paying attention to that 
pesky nerdcognito thread that has Pundit all in a tizzy. Um, throw us a PDF after it launches so you don't lose any. I'm not, I don't want anything pre-launch. I don't want to be accused of anything or said that I am trying to compromise, although I can't compromise shit. She's already got a half million bucks. Um, and and we'll, we'll take a look at it. Um, I want to know what it's about, but I also know that it is already a success on its own, and I want to know where the meat is. I want to find what that je ne sais quoi is that apparently we don't see. Maybe we need to, to sparkle troll up our eyes to, to see it. <laughs> I don't know. Ay, 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 ay. Hey, speaking of sparkle trolls, speaking of sparkle trolls, Bert. Oh, boy. What I, did you do? No, I didn't do anything. You, I sent you a bunch of art. <laughs> you did. I did. Because, you know, the bills, they become and due for the Nerd Cognito podcast. and That's true. Never being one to beg. You know, I really thought about possibly doing like a once a year pledge drive. I, I even priced, I, I really did serious thought. I priced it out to match our listener base and, you know, wanted to keep it as modest as possible. Um, the, the number was less than five bucks that, that I was looking at as far as a contribution level. But that doesn't really give anybody anything, you know? Right. No, other than our voices every week, you know, they don't get anything out of it. <laughs> so, I was thinking, what what's something we can do that people might be interested in that would give them something tangible? And you know, Aura's the role playing game is not ready yet, so no. that that's yeah. off the table. So you decided to start a um, like a GoFundMe, and the highest bidder gets to throw rocks at Ryan David. I, I would I would be game for that. I would pull out like bunch of old lacrosse pads and shit uh, <laughs> no 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 because then they still don't have something to take home with them and in jest a lot of times people say hey when are you selling that sparkle troll t-shirt and uh bert we're gonna fundraise with a sparkle troll t-shirt <laughs> uh, you did send me a lot of promo art this week and some of it's pretty interesting it's going to have a lovely, lovely portrait of a sparkle troll on the front. They them have like a, a, a cornucopia of a galaxy of sparkles in their hair, along with a, uh, a, 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 a rainbow skunk streak, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's accurate. Some, some, some damn fine, sexy eye makeup. Uh, Beautiful pouty lips, uh, slightly awkward, androgynous. Well, you know they are they them face. Uh, they got some bling. They've got uh, I don't know. It's just it is wonderful, <laughs> and that's going to be on the front, full chest size. What do you think? I like it. I mean, why not? You know, if people are, if our fans are interested in it, there's no reason we shouldn't give them what they want. And I've seen that more than once. You know, when's that Sparkle Troll t-shirt coming? Well, here it is, people. If you really want it, come and get it. Here it's coming. Uh, we got to go back and forth on the price point. And yes, it's going to be a higher than your Walmart t-shirt price point because we want to raise money so that we can pay our hosting and take care of the show expenses, but it's not going to be outrageous. Um, uh, the two price points I'm kicking around are 25 and 30 bucks that will get you the t-shirt and give you a modest donation to nerd cognito. Um, I don't think that that's outrageous. I was at uh, a arena event the other day. You know what a t-shirt was there? Oh yeah. I, I was, uh, I've been to a couple of uh, arena events recently, and T-shirts are getting ridiculous at those. Forty-five, fifty-five dollars for a T-shirt? Whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, whoa! So yeah, um, we'll put the uh, the final. I don't want to put any, you know, preview art up. Once I get the the final art, 
I'll throw it to my Twitter at I hate Ryan David, and I'll also throw it to the ladies. And they can put it on the official Nerd Cognito Twitter, and then we'll get that rolling. Uh, and I think the way it works is as long as we fulfill a minimum order, right, then the shirts will ship. And if we don't fulfill a minimum order, then we charge nobody anything. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take right. money and run. So no, no, that's that's not our speed. Yeah, I, I hope that sounds good. The Sparkle Troll T-shirt supports the show, gives you something that is definitely going to be a conversation piece, and uh, it's not outrageously expensive either. It's 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 right in a what I think is an affordable level for for everybody to to have something and and help us out a little bit um yeah exciting news bert yeah i mean oh boy here it comes <laughs> uh, it almost got you you it, did it almost got you um but, but it, i mean it's exciting we were talking about the sparkle troll t-shirt holy shit man People have yeah. joked around about, hey, where can I get a Sparkle Troll t-shirt for how long now? And now now yeah. you can. Our very first merch. Ay, 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 ay. What do we got in the news this week? Um, you tell me. You're the one who pulls it. <laughs> well, I, I wish you could read it to me because I'm, I'm struggling here. Let me get a, a slurp. Go ahead. All right. I like my horror movies. Oh, me too. I'm a huge fan. And uh, one of the old, I guess you could call it classic now, horror movies that, that I uh, like to go back to, not necessarily anything in the series, but the original one is the Children of the Corn. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, one of my wife's favorite horror movies. Well, the, the new one's out, the reimagining of Children of the Corn. <laughs> And it's getting destroyed in reviews. <laughs> I did not realize there was a new reimagining of Children of the Corn. That oh, sounds, there sure is. That sounds dreadful. I mean, the remake of Hellraiser, the remake of Halloween. The, there have been so many reboots that did not fare well. Modified for modern audiences, this Children of the Corn is. Um, and if you thought that the Stephen King franchise couldn't get worse than some of the original sequels, well, you should adjust your expectations. <laughs> um, okay. What did they do to Children of the Corn? Well, let's see. I'll, I'll give you a spoiler-free synopsis in case anyone actually wants to, to see this fucking train wreck. I... We're in a small farming town, Bert, and okay, the sure. the economy close. of this of that town has always revolved around the cornfields. But uh -huh. GMOs from a nefarious corporation have caused a dangerous fungus to start growing on the corn. The crops are sick. The town is sick. They're losing money. Uh, adults that run the town are getting the 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 i guess cultural consequences of big corn spraying chemicals on their fields come to light and they're forced to consider accepting subsidies to stop growing corn <laughs> the <Wait>. i'm <laughs> not making this up i know this sounds like a ryan david story right uh, it sounds more like a documentary than a horror film. <laughs> the children who are very, very pro-corn <laughs> are, are upset. And, you know, all of our children now in school have to be little social justice warriors. So, uh, so they start uh, voicing their concerns with the corn in the form of worshipping an unseen monster that lurks in the cornfields. <laughs> And then they, you know, form the murder cults and try to kill every adult in town. Um, okay. Not not where I thought this was going. From the initial description, I was thinking, like, like um, some MK Ultra level stuff, like uh, ergot poison or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Uh, here's a direct quote from the movie. 
I'm not kidding. My six-year-old did not write this. Quote, what happened to the glorious golden grain that we grew up with that our forefathers planted? <laughs> okay, I thought they were modernizing it, not, you know, middle-Englishing it. Uh, the film's apparently a very slow-paced slog. And hmm. even the media, which we know has a certain political-cultural bias, is dogging it that it's just so unbearably Greta Thunberg. <laughs> so uh, tell the boss on your plantation to just watch the original and uh, let Malachi do his thing. The Malachi wow. replacement was also a gender swap. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that doesn't concern me, but the rest of this story sounds like it sounds terrible. I it, don't see... It's atrocious. It's atrocious. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of the days when... You remember when, for a while, it seemed like every horror movie that came out was some sort of mutation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. Like, I guess I guess it goes in waves. The 50s, you had the radioactive monster movie. In, like, the 80s and early 90s, you had, you know, uh, mutation and disease outbreak movies and so on and so on. Yeah. I'll pass. I'll pass on it. I mean, God, I don't even know if someone could give me a screener of it and I would want to watch it. It just sounds bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if it comes to stream a streaming service I have, I might check it out just because I'm really curious on how this thing got made, but it doesn't sound like yeah, I, I, I guess if it did, did come to a streamer just for a laugh. Right, but I don't know how far I could. I could I even get to the part where they're worshiping the monster? <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know. Uh, you know what I can always get to the bottom of? What's that? A large Wendy's chili. <laughs> okay, I, I can. I, I'm a fan of Wendy's chili. You know why? Let that ground beef patty go to waste, chop it up, repurpose it into chili. And it's pretty decent and consistent chili from a fast food restaurant. Right. I mean, I like a spicier chili myself, but it, at least it's consistent. You know what you're getting when you get Wendy's chili. Right. It's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's not only is it chili, it's Wendy's chili. Right. It's a hot soup on a cold day. Well, you'll you know? be able to pick it up at your friendly local supermarket in the coming year. Uh, 15 ounce cans of Wendy's chili are going to be rolling off the line, making Dave Thomas just cry even more when he sees what his legacy has become. Right. I mean, I, I can't think of any like fast food supermarket crossover that's been successful, except maybe frozen White Castle cheeseburgers and Taco Bell sauces. Mm, yes, there were those two. So yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that one, but when I was thinking about a food item, not necessarily a condiment, the only one I can ever think of that I consistently have, remember being successful enough to stay around are those frozen White Castle cheeseburgers. Yeah, no, and they're not they're they're not horrible. I've had those before too. Um, I think everybody has who you know you know was in college at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's it's being co-packed by ConAgra, so it's not a small co-packer by any stretch of the imagination. Should go coast to coast. Uh, once again, we talked about it last week. Sorry to our friends you know, in Europe and elsewhere in the world. <laughs> it's probably not going to go there, but ConAgra has uh, serviced retail chains and doing food and bev for Bob Evans, McDonald's, Panera, Taco Bell, and Whataburger. So they at least can semi-reproduce Wendy's chili. Now, I know I've talked to people that have worked at Wendy's. They're like, you never want to eat the chili, man. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true for you. You want to eat I do chili. want to eat the chili. But uh, they have, well, you know, those are the patties that were cooked, but, but were at the end of their time where we could serve them on a burger. So into the chili they went. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I don't know that it can right, be I mean, replicated in a canned good, though. 
Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm all for eliminating food waste. You know, if if you can, you know, extend the life of a food product safely and, you know, make a couple of bucks, go ahead. Right. I don't know that you can can Wendy's chili and expect it to be a bestseller. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Boy, come on, voices. You can make it. Uh, I'm going to get another slurp here. Go ahead. So that I have enough juice to take us to Gotham City. It's funny, okay, we talked what, about Batman last week, too, just tangentially, right? Right. I mean, it was a mention, but what's something new in the Batman world? Well, the doom that came to Gotham, uh, which is the uh, Lovecraftian Batman, is is coming out. And we saw new bat shots of Talia, uh, Penguin, uh, Bruce Wayne, Killer Croc... Ross, Mr. Freeze, Green Arrow, Two-Face, and Jim Gordon. And it looks pretty, pretty good. Uh, no. Did they, make, did they make Killer Croc a deep one? <laughs> would you like me to send you the Killer Croc photo? I would, actually. Like, that's, uh, you know, you know, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, and thinking about it, I mean... You know, semi-aquatic horror that is Killer Croc? Well, it's yeah. still Killer Croc, but you are not far off on the look. Um, I think it's no shock to anybody that we both are very big Lovecraft fans. Uh, so, yeah, he 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 speaks of a Deep One hybrid when you look at the artwork. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I see what you mean. So, we will see what happens. Um I do think it is amusing that Oswald Coppelpot is sitting in what appears to be Antarctica with what looks like an elder thing slash penguin hybrid animal in the foreground. Um, I sent that one to you as well. Yeah, those four-eyed monstrous penguins with teeth in their beak. That's (laughs) that's needed. You You need beaks with teeth. Uh, I'll be watching. So I may not, yeah. I may not watch Children of the Corn, but I will watch the Doom that came to Gotham. Yeah, I've got to check this out. The artwork is just so interesting to me. I have to see how the story comes together. Yep, yep. And uh, the only thing that will make me sad is this will be a Batman that is post Kevin Conroy. So uh, mm. we'll see how that goes over, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, last but not least in the news today, uh, stirred up a little bit of a shitstorm this week on Twitter with it because it deals with AI art, which we know gets people's juices flowing and, and not necessarily in the right way. But Paizo has banned AI art and AI content across the board, including its community created works. Interesting. Um,. Where do you stand on the AI art thing? I'm kind of of two minds about it. You know, for one, it makes the art a lot more easily accessible to creators and things like that who don't have the money to outlay for an artist or things like that. But though, you know, the way that it's created, you know, is a little shady. You know, the way that it pull the sources that it pulls from and things like that, it, it makes me, uh, it makes me kind of, uh, I sit on the fence on that one. I'm kind of torn either way, you know? I'm going to push you off the fence here because I I think I have a reasonable and sound rationale to counter your the way way it is statement. Um, I have no problem with AI art. I don't think it will ever replace human art uh, because it can only iterate human art, right? I look at AI art in the same vein as the model that it's created, who cares where it's scraped from, whether they scrape artist content or public domain works or copyrighted content, it doesn't matter because the computer is just learning and, in theory, not directly copying it, right? Now, I know that there have been examples of things where a work was fed into a model and then it directly copied it, but 
those case studies are also manipulated in that that image was the only image in the model, right? <laughs> so yeah, if you tell the computer to, to reproduce art based on a very limited set of, of base imagery, you're going to have overlap. I think if you have vast and diverse models, then it's perfectly fine because the computer isn't doing anything that aspiring artists aren't doing. Everybody gets inspiration from somewhere. If you're going to tell the computer, no, you can't look at this art and generate art similar to it, then you have to tell the art student in the museum, don't look at that painting for inspiration. Mm, I don't know. I'm still... I don't know, like I said, I don't know enough about AI to do it, but I do know some people who make, you know, a living from art. And, you know, yes, are artists inspired by other things, by other people's works? Yes. But, you know, with AI art, you're, you know, you're removing that human agency and you're removing the benefit to a, an individual person for that as well so not if, i don't know that I've... not if that individual person raises their game i look at uh basic expert john has said that he has no problem with ai art as an artist because he knows that if someone needs him or his art style it's never going to be faithfully replicated and you're always going to get original creative human generated work from him and I agree with him. I agree with him. I know there are artists on the other side of that coin, and uh, writers have an even bigger issue because it's harder to distinguish uh, computer-generated text now than it ever was before. Um, a couple weeks ago, we asked ChatGPT to tell us about Sparkle Trolls, and it did, <laughs> and it was accurate. And you even said, it sounds like you wrote that, Ryan. <laughs> it, it, it did sound like you wrote it. So... Um, Regardless, Paizo postured themselves into making this big statement. We're committed to work by human professionals, but really it's a headline grab because Paizo wasn't using any AI art to begin with. Maybe some of their community creators might have, but right. I liken this to I hate peaches. I do. I don't like peaches. So I can make a statement that says, I will never eat peach pie. And it's a truthful statement. That's Paizo making the statement, we will never use AI art. I, I, I think that in the case of Paizo, this was a big old headline grab. And that's it. That's, that's what I got. And that's our news for the week. Boy. Interesting ending point there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to don't want to rattle cages with the AI art. I have less inhibitions for it. Um, I'm using it for auras, um, and it's working out very well for auras. I've talked to artists. I've talked to some very good, close friends of the show that are artists. And uh, I still maintain that, at least right now, at Aura's point in development we're going to stick with the ai art because the ai art is faster and more consistent than i can get elsewhere and it also happens to match the style of the the setting which i can i know i can match a style by telling an artist what i want but i already have it down to a, a iteration science for what I'm looking for for auras. So even if I go to an artist with a bank of AI-created imagery and say, make it look like this, it's still serving a purpose. And that very well might happen. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's one of those things, that one of those rare things that we're on kind of opposite sides of the coin. Agree to disagree, I guess. Hey, and that's okay. I'm not going to be blocking you on social media anytime soon. That's ridiculous, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that stuff was going on with the pundit stuff. People that are decidedly in our corner of the hobby getting so heated that they're just blocking each other. That, that's don't, don't sparkle troll out, folks. We're allowed to disagree. It's okay. It, it's right. not the end of the world. Uh, you and I disagree on a lot of things. We're still friends. Mm -hmm. That we are. And we're friends that sit down and play a good board game every now and then. Absolutely. 
This last week, we got a chance to finally sit down and play Massive Darkness 2, which um, has been an option for us for a while. Right. And we just never got around to playing it. It was one of those ones that just sat there, and, and it was shamed. Um, our friend, T-shirted historian, saw a photograph that I tweeted out um, and made horrible, horrible fun of the fact that we have naked miniatures because, you know, he paints. Right, right. And uh, I said, we sure do have naked miniatures and they're never going to be painted in their lifetime. <laughs> and, I mean, it's... Thinking about the size of our gaming group, I mean, we really needed a night when we were short to play it because I can't imagine this game with, you know... Four or five people playing. Well, it, it it definitely can go there. It's a game designed for one to six. And uh, six six would be pretty long in my estimation. Not a bad little dungeon crawler by any stretch of the imagination. It's set for one to six. Box playtime is 60 minutes. Lies. Um. Yeah, it was definitely longer <laughs> than 60 minutes. I, I don't know if there are shorter scenarios, but usually the shorter ones are the first ones because you're learning to play. And excluding setup, I think we were right in at about two and a half hours for that scenario. So I was going to say right about 2.15. Yeah, some, somewhere there. there. I wasn't keeping that much track. Um, the, the scheme is the same as the original Massive Darkness, but the gameplay is actually good. The first one was not so great. Uh, Ten years in you know, lore have passed since the the original game and they thought that they had saved the world, but guess what? New portals started opening up and you got to go back to hell and blah, 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 blah. Uh, everything is scenario-driven. They are independent scenarios, so it is not a campaign. Um, right, so it, it's not like Frosthaven or Gloomhaven. It's not a campaign game. It's actually individual scenarios, but there are multiple scenarios for play. It is a cool mini or not property, so of course it has ridiculous Kickstarter level miniatures. <laughs> um, uh, all in all, it's a fun little dungeon crawler. Nothing to write home about. There wasn't any particular mechanic or thing that struck me as, oh my gosh, this is revolutionary. I did like the asymmetrical play of the heroes, however. Yeah, you every, know, every hero did play differently. You're you're right. Go ahead and tell folks about that. So the part that I really enjoyed about it was that, you know, they, you know, they may be your standard templates, rogue, barbarian, you know, uh, paladin and so on. But each one had sort of its own unique mechanic. Like you were playing the archer. You had almost like a, a press your lock or blackjack style card system where you're trying to deal cards out of your arrow deck to hit seven exactly to improve your um, improve your accuracy and the effects of your attacks. Whereas if you go over, something bad happens, and if you stop under, you don't get the full effect. Uh, I was playing the rogue. I had a bag of tiles that would affect my actions, possibly giving me more actions, adding bonuses to attacks, adding poison to attacks, but they were drawn at random from the bag, so... It was kind of a um, uh, it was kind of a lottery mechanic for my my character, and then you know Dan was playing the barbarian, and his character was all about soaking damage like a tank, and then using that damage to power other abilities. So every one was a totally unique playstyle, and I think that that adds a lot of uh, replay value to it because you know you change your even if you were playing the same scenario with different characters you would have to get used to an entirely new mechanic, which I, th I found very interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, but again, it, you know, it's not, they're not reinventing the wheel here. <laughs> they're taking good, solid foundation play from across the genre. They're cleaning up the original game rules and how the game played to be much more streamlined, much more efficient, and much friendlier to the player. I did play the original Massive Darkness. It was no fun. It was just a, a ball of chaos as far as a dungeon crawl. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, again, I don't have anything bad to say. I don't have anything that that makes me want to change my undie pants on this one. Um, worst part of the game for you? Um, I think the the worst part of the game was the initial setup and sort of going through the rules to learn how everybody's character works because we were all new players. None of us had any idea how our characters worked. We had to go through the complete rules and the complete understanding of our character and set up the initial dungeon beforehand. So for new players who aren't used to the mechanics of the heroes involved, uh, it's a long setup time. Right. I found, uh, I guess, the worst thing for me, excluding setup, because let's face it, any dungeon crawler now has crazy setup because they're just getting more and more and more detailed as things go on. Uh, Mikey was playing Frosthaven the other day, and uh, I watched him set it up, and it was crazy. Um, I think for me, the wait time between turns, while not long, like it wasn't painful, but it was just to the point where I said it's, you know, it's almost too much. But it never got past that line. It, it always bumped right up against the this is almost too much. You get four, five, six players in there, people are going to be yawning waiting to take their turns. Um, I would not play it with more than three for sure uh, just because of uh, player wait time and every time you add a play, you, I would I would estimate that a player is probably a half an hour add to, to the total game play time here. Uh, since it's already clocking in north of two hours for one scenario, uh, you don't want to you don't want to dance with that devil. Uh, components, I th- of course, the miniatures were outrageous. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Tokens and cards were standard fare. I do wish that they would have uh, spent the extra dime on the cards. Uh, the older I get, the more and more I appreciate a higher quality card, specifically a linen textured card. It it makes such a big difference for not only the look, but the feel and the playability of the card. Um, See, I don't, I don't have that same issue as you. I think that the, the fact that the card stock was, you know, uh, thick enough to be sturdy and was, uh, you know, it is going to provide, you know, a little bit of durability to play uh, is was enough for me, but I know that you you have sort of a preference when it comes to those types. Well, of yeah, things. it's easier for me to handle with my goofy. I can't feel anything below my wrist. MS hands, but that aside, if I'm paying three digits for a game, I want linen cards. Period. End of story. Fine. If this were a fifty dollar game. But it's it's not right. It's it's 110 plus shipping plus expansions aplenty. So um, I I think when you get to the premium level of board game as far as cost, and I think that the premium barrier is a hundred bucks. You 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 get into what I would consider a premium board game when you're paying more than a hundred bucks. Give me some fucking linen cards. <laughs> um, I'm persnickety. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, I thought the, uh, I, I thought that the components were fine. I was a little concerned that the uh, the dungeon tiles had warped, but that could have just been due to storage issues or. Yeah, it's too new. Know. They we did have we did have warped tiles uh, across the board. The large tiles all warped. Um, I'm not going to fault that just because our climate is very temperate and we have all four right. seasons. So, um, right. That's what I was thinking too. I mean, I, I, like I said, it could have been a storage issue. It could have been anything with that. I was a little concerned about that, but they weren't warped enough to be unplayable. No. And they weren't warped beyond the point where you could repair it with a good steamy 170 degree oven and two plates of glass. So, yeah. I've done it for both board games and vinyl records, Bert. Because <laughs> uh, I'm crazy. Uh, what do you say? Buy it, play it, or head for the hills? Well, I mean, at the price point and the, the gaming group, the gaming groups that I'm in, 
I would have to go with play it. I would definitely play it again. I enjoyed it. I liked the mechanic. I thought the components were good. But the uh, as far as the purchase price, I don't think that I'm going to get enough plays out of it with the game groups that I'm in to make it worth you know a three-digit purchase. I agree. I'm in the play it category. I think that there are other games in its price point. Not that it's not good. You know, it's good. It's even above good. I would even say it's great. It's not exceptional, okay? It's a good, solid dungeon crawl. Um, we played it. I said, well, you know, when you line it up with the, the continuum of dungeon crawlers, it's above average. It's It certainly is. Uh, it certainly is. Absolutely. It's, play, it's playable. It's, you know, it's fun. We had a good time with it. But it's not, you know, it's not groundbreaking, and it's not, you know. No. But for close to the same dollar, you can get, Gloomhaven, which is a hundred plus scenarios, right, as a, as opposed to just double digits. Uh, Frosthaven, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks. Uh, well, now it's being scalped in the secondary market, but right. w- but once it gets its retail print, it, it'll be right there again. I, I expect Frosthaven to be about one hundred twenty nine bucks MSRP. So same ballpark, way more play. Now it kicks to a buy it. If you are a crazy miniature painter, because the miniatures are, like I said, it's come on, right? Um, They are phenomenal, phenomenal miniatures. And if you're painting and doing the art thing with it, uh, it it goes into the buy it category. But on the surface, as a game itself, I'm in the play it realm. Right. I agree with you. If you're a miniature fanatic, then... Yeah, then you're going to want to buy it because not only does every monster in the dungeon have their own miniature, leaders have leaders for the parties of monsters have their own miniatures, as well as like dungeon bosses on higher level, like wandering monsters, all have their own miniatures. So right. there's a lot there that you could paint and customize and really have a field day with. Yeah, lots to paint, lots of high quality miniatures um, that are great detail we didn't have any issue with any warped or bent minis or anything like that they were they were definitely top notch but again you know you expect that from come on so well that is massive darkness too if it sounds like it's your bag do some homework as i always say whenever we get into the higher price tier for for board games Uh, if you are a mini painter that enjoys a good dungeon crawl this one might be for you, so check it out. And if you do check it out, make sure that you go to nerdcognito.com, click on the associates link, and buy it from the big Amazon so that we get a nice little slice. It doesn't cost you a penny, and we get a couple bucks out of that too. So two things. You can buy your T-shirt soon, (laughs) and you can buy your board game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's all I've got this week, Bert. I am... uh, I'm in the hurt locker on this voice, man. So anything you want to talk about before we wrap things up? No, I think that I'm good. You know, I, you know, definitely want to give you a chance to rest your voice and hopefully, uh, you know, recover. I know you've got a long day tomorrow. I do. I have lots of talking to do. Surprise, surprise. Ryan talks all the time, all day. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, yeah, I'm going to hopefully, get some some recovery as I sleep tonight with this voice. I'll med up, get a good night's sleep, and start the day off jabbering this fucking jaw, man. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you are not already subscribed, make sure that you go and subscribe at the podcast provider of your choice. Hit subscribe, get notifications, do whatever it takes to make sure that each and every episode of Nerd Cognito on release downloads to your device. We're also asking if you have a moment, go in and throw us one of those five-star top-notch reviews to help counteract some of those Sparkle Troll reviews that we tend to pick up. Uh, We certainly appreciate those. And hey, keep an eye on Twitter at Nerd Cognito and in the eminent future, probably in less than a week, uh, for sure in less than two weeks, you'll be able to place your order for that Sparkle Troll t-shirt. We want to get enough of those orders in so that we can actually do a print run of them 
and I think that they will be super, super cool. You'll have something fun, and you'll give us a couple of bucks that'll help us take care of our annual costs, because tis the season to write the checks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's uh, what we're looking to do. So, yeah, I got nothing else after that. Uh, I'm going to go suck a lime and uh, drink some tea. And hopefully rest this so that I don't sound like such trash for you guys next week. My name is Ryan David. I appreciate you tuning in and listening. And we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!